What is this place? I brought you here to bury Alan's cat. Welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sleepy Sergio. Hooray! Welcome back. Uh, this is We're finally back on track after our whole Medea debacle. And boy, was that exciting. Yeah, as always, we're... Oh, no. What? Well, as always, we're going to start with 10-word reviews. But I realized, oh no. I realized I didn't write mine. <laughs> oh, so this is one of those situations like last week where I didn't write mine. Yeah, basically. But I can do it. I can do it on the fly. Because we did an episode in the middle of this week, we are not going to have that many movies this time, but let's do our one movie, and I will try to make up my review. <laughs> so my review is uh, for Drop Dead Gorgeous, which mm-hmm. we both saw together last night, and I said, Beauty Queens, uh, oh, sorry, Scotch, that you're counting my words. Oh, no, you're counting your words. Let's okay. count my words. So Don't worry. Beauty Queens mockumentary highlights some dark truths about Amy Adams' career. That's like 90 words. It's 11, sure. okay. but... I'm counting Amy Adams as one word because it's one name. Yeah, Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Um, but yeah, so mine is Wisconsin accents and pretty people dying. What's not to like? Okay, that's beautiful. Thank you. All like right. Amy Adams. Exactly. Amy Adams. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, we're back on track. This is, once again, Female Directors Month. It's part of our donation drive where we're putting a spotlight on disenfranchised minorities in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited to explore Pet Cemetery, which is a Stephen King adaptation from 1989 from director Mary Lambert. Here's the plot. Behind a young family's home in Maine is a terrible secret that holds the power of life after death. When tragedy strikes, the threat of that power soon becomes undeniable. The movie was filmed in Maine? Yeah, filmed and set in Maine. Oh, wow, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. That's where all of uh, Stephen King's stories are set. I didn't know that. I was assuming this is somewhere in the boonies, like East Jesus. Yeah, nowhere. the boonies of Maine. Like Nebraska, or I don't know. Like, look, do you state. like? Do you know what Maine looks like? It seems... It's, it's coastal. It's I got guess. water near it. Cold it water. It seems so, like, out of the, out of the you'd, way. You'd think it was the coastal elites? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, it's Maine. Um... That plot description said almost nothing, so I'm going to elaborate a little further. Mm-hmm. There is a secret pet cemetery where if you bury something in this like ancient Indian burial ground, it'll come back to life. That's a mile away from the cemetery. Yeah, it is so far away. It It's like up in the buttes. Like, just, there's these giant stony outcroppings. Um, but yeah, so if you bury stuff in this soil, they come back to life. But they come back to life evil because the ground has gone sour. Um, and first, a cat dies. We're going to spoil this. And then, Miko Hughes dies. My favorite character in any movie. Um, he, he plays, he's a little boy. Oh, he's, okay. He's the two-year-old boy. I was like, the dad lives several. No, <laughs> Miko Hughes. We talked about him last week. Um, he's a DJ now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, DJ Hughes. But in this one, he's two and a half. So that's great. Anyway, we rate every movie on scariness, campiness, FX, and quality. So what's your scariness score, Sergio? I gave it two screams. Great. And I felt like that was really generous of me to do that. You say that every time. You're just such a generous, gregarious, giving um, person. This time I mean it like not in a, like I'm being very generous way. I mean like. You mean it sarcastically? Yeah, like this is, this movie is terrible. 
Oh, um, I'm sorry you didn't like it. I didn't get scared at any of the scary parts. I think the scariest scenes for me were when the cat was like hissing at people randomly and jumping at them. Uh huh. That's the only thing that like stands out in my memory. What about you? Yeah, this one's definitely more of a. It's one of Stephen King's more slow, like kind of parochial stories, I guess, where it's not so like crazy hardcore. I mean, if you really think about it, are you gonna look up parochial? Doesn't that mean like Jesusy? I don't. Maybe it does. Look it up. Don't uh don't call me out on my words. Relating to church parish. Oh. Or well, having a limited or narrow outlook or scope. Yeah, exactly. One okay. of those things. The worldview seems incredibly naive and parochial. Yeah. But yeah, so um this story's of very small scale and it's very like family drama esque. Um and so it's not always as scary as it could be, but I found some parts pretty effective. A lot of the effects are fun, but they're not scary, necessarily. Like, it's kind of more eerie overall, but I think there's a really excellent thing to do with this house is built on this. It's a street, but it's it, it could face. It's a road. It's a road. It's a highway. It's basically a highway. Yeah, just giant gas trucks come barreling down it on their route, like, every 20 seconds or so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty crazy. Like, um... Obviously, both the cat and the child die in the road from the gas trucks driving by. Mm-hmm. But in one of the, there's an early scene where you see a gas truck drive by, and then the kid, Miko Hughes, kind of runs out into the street, and you also, like, you see him narrowly miss getting hit by another truck that mm-hmm. just drove by. Like, for me, that road kind of reminded me of the, um, one of the opening, one of the beginning scenes of The Final Girls, mm-hmm. where, um, they're sitting on that roadside, and the mm-hmm. car drives by, and then they wait 90 minutes, and it comes by again because they're in that, like, Groundhog Day loop. Uh-huh, uh-huh. To me, what this reminded me of, or what I felt it should have been, is because, like you said, in that first scene uh, with the truck and the kid, the kid almost gets hit by the car, but uh-huh. then the neighbor saves him. So he get, he lives to see another day. Um, A couple other days. Mm-hmm. And then the cat gets hit by the truck, and it's like, okay, maybe now you would have learned your mistakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, you know, erect a fence. This should movie should have been about fences. Yeah, it should have been called Fences 2, The Quest for Peace. Mm-hmm. That was my joke. Go ahead, Brennan. Okay. Wasn't it great? It was great. No, but I think I, I'm also giving it two out of five screams. I don't know if I said that. Um, but I really liked the use of those gas trucks. I feel like it's this constant presence that's always kind of there. Like every time they cross, what? You're looking at me weird. I think that's just reaching for it a little bit uh no hold on maybe because you've read the book and i haven't oh, well i read it like 10 years ago i remember nothing about it uh, well then no i don't think so i don't think the trucks are a force to be reckoned with and no uh look they're they're just this constant presence in the background and it feels kind of oppressive a little bit like every time they try to cross the street they have to wait for a tanker to whiz by and they're just that's just common sense yeah oh my god just let me let me view film theory for one second it's this constant repeating pattern of trucks that keeps coming by in the background, and you're constantly kind of made aware of them by people stopping for them and waiting to cross the street. And it's just kind of like this beating metronome that is constantly happening, and I think it's something that creates kind of an interesting atmosphere that I liked. Okay, I didn't get that. Okay. Um, there's nothing really I can say that would, I don't know, counterbalance that fact, except that I didn't really get that feeling from it. I just got the trucks were there. I don't know if there was a constant metronome. I feel like it, they were the heartbeat of the movie. 
Um, you're you're the one who said that phrase, so you're film theorying here. You said metronome. A metronome is like a constant beat. Yeah, but it's not a constant beat if not a heartbeat. Okay. Um, so I don't get that at all. I'm sorry. That that's fine, but th- that works for me. Okay. Like I just thought like the trucks were a constant presence, if not necessarily a threat, but they. Like, when the trucks come up again, you're not like, where'd that truck come from? Like, they're constantly there. Whatever. To me, it's not so strange, because it's just a road. No, but how many, like, how often do gas trucks come down your street? We don't live on a major road, though. Okay. They do. Okay. I used to live on a major road. I used to live on Orange, and there would be trucks going by all the time. Okay. we almost got hit by one. Yeah, exactly. It's scary. It's scary, but I don't see it as a constant presence. It's just, it's a fact. It's... No, but it's, like, basically the same truck every time, or it's almost identical. Like, it's just this very repetitive— It's more to the budget of the movie than anything else. Oh, my God. No, it's—oh, my God. Whatever. Like, I sometimes you resist the, my theories, and this is one I feel like is so simple. Like, it's not super complex. I'm not saying, like, oh, the truck represents, like, his um, impotence as a man or something. Like, it's just a truck representing a truck, and trucks can run you over. Okay. Anyway, uh, let's talk about campiness. What's your campiness score? Give it a one. Okay. I found nothing funny or playful about this movie, except how dumb everybody was. I'm sorry to be so mean to this. Um, I found the little girl annoying. Um, ooh, what did I like? I liked Rod guy. Who? Um, uh, you know that Rod over there. Oh, he's saying Rod. That's he's talking about Fred Gwynn, Herman Munster, who plays the neighbor across the street. Mm-hmm. And you liked him because he reminded you of the South Park parody of him. Yep. Yep. That's how I was introduced to that character, actually, was yeah. watching South Park. Um, I, was it, did you find something campy about this movie? Yeah. Maybe? I'm, I'm going to give it two out of five perms. Um, I think uh, the acting from the guy who played the dad was a little over the top, and it was kind of amusing sometimes. It reminded me of uh, Luke Skywalker in the scene where he realizes that, spoilers, that Darth Vader is his dad. And he's like, no. Mm. Yeah, this guy gets a lot oh, of. Oh, that was a funny scene when he, he like, know that his kid died. He gets a he lot of no's. Mm-hmm. Um, but that actor is Dale Midkiff, who is pretty cute. Like, I was into this dad. Mm-hmm. He is one of them dilfs I've that. heard about. Yeah, I'll give him that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So w- oh, another thing, there are two lines of dialogue that really struck me as just. Um, this is actually the first screenplay that Stephen King adapted from one of his own works. Okay, cool. And some of the lines are, oh, they're special, Sergio. Do you want me to read two of them to you verbatim? Sure. I'm glad because I was going to do it anyway. Good. Um, one, don't shilly-shally, Lewis. Give the girl a little promise. Okay. Which, that's just nonsense. And then this line, when he's killing the cat and like feeding it meat so he can like sneak, like, sneak up on it, he says, today is Thanksgiving Day for cats. But only if they came back from the dead, <laughs> which is just the stupidest line. And that was really stupid. I think I was on Twitter by that point. Yeah, you were you were on Twitter like twenty minutes in. Twenty minutes after, or twenty minutes till the end is when I was on. Oh, okay. Because at that point I was like, oh my god, I get it. The kid's gonna come back evil. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of ponderously paced. It's like they're really drawing out stuff that you know is gonna happen. I thought a solid twenty minutes could have been cut out of this movie. Yeah, probably. The amount of stuff that happened, a lot of it was just introspective, him like mourning the loss of the child. and. Yeah, I, I think that part might have worked better if he was a better performer or if um the script really dug into his character more. But 
but it was definitely a very basic, like almost EC Comics story mm-hmm. in this movie, where it's like you get what the character is going through, but you mm-hmm. don't feel it. Mm-hmm. I guess you're right. Um, do you think that it was believable that last scene with the wife and him burying her and whatnot? Um, and that scene you're referring to is his wife also dies and he decides to bring her back from the dead because he's like, well, it turned my son into a mutant monster trying to kill everyone, but it'll work for my wife because I took too long last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand that desperation once you realize you have that power. Like thinking about it theoretically, I can completely understand. But in terms of this movie and this character, it's like I don't I don't really get a sense that I understand his headspace or like what he's thinking at any time. So um, that part just kind of rings false a little bit. Mm-hmm. Although we get to see him take a bath, so I am there. That was earlier on in the movie. Yeah, I just wanted to bring it up while we're talking about him. Okay. Um, look, he's not like he's not freaking Zac Efron. He's not like super cut and built, but no, he's just he's a he's a handsome man. Uh-huh. And uh, thank goodness for female directors. Spotlight on female directors month. We get some uh, female gaze, feminine gaze going mm-hmm. on, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I love objectifying men. That never happens. It's great. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was our campiness score. Brandon, what'd you give it for effects? For effects, I gave it three out of five, uh, I, I don't know, dead kids. <laughs> um, oh, but Miko Hughes was so cute, though. He was such a cute little boy. Adorable. Like, I like him throwing stuff at people. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually, so I shouldn't have brought this up so soon because we're going to go on another tangent, but I m- met Miko Hughes at a convention i talked about that last week name dropper oh what? i'm just so important and whatever hollywood no. over here no i'm just saying hollywood brands oh my god no i was just saying because people constantly walk up to him and ask him about filming pet cemetery and he was like i was two i don't remember mm. it and i just i haven't looked I would it up it for all it was worth he, i would be like i was the star of that show oh you yeah know? people i I'm, i carried those actors those people they didn't have careers he kind of did that's they kind they kind of didn't have careers and oh see like this is true then and the only reason for giving you these lines the only reason i really liked um the father and son relationship is because of miko hughes because he was so goddamn adorable Mm -hmm. (laughs) he was a little boy he's like i love you daddy i'm like oh my god (laughs) um but yeah anyway got distracted but um, there's some pretty solid gore going on. There, um, he slices the Achilles tendon of Herman Munster. Yeah, that's the only reason why my score was as high as it was. Sorry. Yeah, that's the only reason my score was as high as it was is that heel scene where he uses his father's scalpel to yeah. slice it open. Yeah, and there's some there's some cool effects. Like there's a this like a ghost character who has like this gaping head wound that's kind of oozy. That's really interesting. That character annoyed me. Oh, the character was terrible, but the wound was pretty cool mm-hmm. when he was on the like hospital table. Mm-hmm. I thought the mom's effect was pretty cool when she came back, and like she was missing an eye, and it was also leaking. Oh, it was leaking, and he made out with her, mm-hmm. and I wanted to throw up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this the, the effects were pretty good, um, for the infrequent times that they were used. Yeah, everything else was. We never saw them come out of the dirt. Um, no, also, how did that kid navigate those giant mountains to get all the way evil back down? And he's also half of his aunt too apparently yeah there's like an evil spinal meningitis sister who's i hated that plot line you hated everything in this movie i'm sorry i think that was the one that probably really got to me is because out of nowhere out of the blue (laughs) the mother's like let me tell you this story that you probably never heard of before of me killing my sister yeah and and i was just like okay it was pretty weird Mm -hmm. um but what i wanted to say oh shoot oh the ghost dude um 
that character. I know you were frustrated by all the characters, and I was only frustrated by half the characters, which is why I enjoyed this movie more. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy, he's a guy that dies early on, and the dad is like a doctor, and he tries to save him, but then he dies. And then somehow, the ghost takes it upon himself to like defend his family from these like evil spirits that want to kill him or whatever, mm-hmm. and warn him against using the pet cemetery. And it's like, why is he's like? He's basically like, you tried to save me, now I'll try to save you. And I'm like, look, he didn't save you. If he was a better doctor, maybe he could have. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why we're saying, like, I owe you my life. You're dead. Mm-hmm. And this, he just Obi-Wans the hell out of this ghost role that he has. Like, he shows up everywhere. He talks to the daughter in her dreams. There's a part I where... I was annoyed by that girl, too. Yeah, she was annoying. Um, But, like, he basically guides the wife all the way from Chicago back to their town... And there's a part where, like, he's helping her hitchhike in one of the gas tankers. And then he's just, he's like, this is as far as I can go. And he shuts the door. I'm like, did no one, no one seems to notice that he's there. He's just kind of influencing events, like Jedi mind tricking everyone. But then he just shuts the door. And I'm like, did no one notice that the door closed on its own? I don't know. I was kind of bothered by that whole idea. And it was so screenplay forced it's like well we got to establish this cemetery somehow so we're gonna have a ghost tell us for no reason Mm -hmm. it's kind of i didn't like any of that the wound was great though his head wound no no one's talking no one's complaining about the wound here Uh it's these characters and the plot is what's terrible you Um, want you want to know my favorite character sorry i should your favorite character is miko hughes we've been over this like five times no he's great no my other my other favorite character is the maid oh her she had no purpose. They could have yeah. cut her out. Yeah, I don't know why. They they have this maid, and she suffers from stomach pains, and then she kills herself. And then I assumed he was going to learn something about the powers of the cemetery, but he just kind of, like, didn't. And I guess it was establishing that humans can die in this universe or something. I don't know. But it's I loved her. She When she dies, we get a shot of the pet cemetery, right? And yeah, then, for, like, half a second. It's real weird. And it cuts to her actual death. So there was... I felt like maybe there was some scenes meant for her that got cut out. Um, but otherwise, I felt like I could have done without her because she helped nothing. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know why he would have buried her in the pet cemetery anyway. Like, I know it's hard to find good help these days, but she's just the maid. Although I did love her because she had this, like, Zelda Fitzgerald accent where she's like, Oh, my stomach always hurts me, but don't bother me none. I'm like, oh, you're great. I love you. Okay. So what's your FX score, Sergio? I already told you. Didn't I tell you to give it two? Oh. Probably. I don't know if Maybe. I told you, but I gave it two. Okay, cool. I was the toe or the heel, um, the wounds. Heel, toe, crush, crust, touch a meal. This means no fear. Cavalier, renegade, steer clear. Turn them in a turn. So my quality score is a two for that song that you're singing. And I decline. It's the end of the world as we know it. Okay, go. A two for that song that you're singing. Aww. No, I'm joking. That was a five if I've ever heard one. Oh, thank you. Um, was a two for the movie. Um, okay, that's I understand. I, you you did not like this movie. No, I so. did Again, twenty minutes could have been cut out, and my patience, I guess, was running thin after Medea yesterday. So yeah, this movie probably suffered a little bit from that. So I don't mean to hold it against you, Stephen. Yeah, Medea taints all movies. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What did you give it? Oh, um, I'm giving it three out of five unlucky stars. I thought a lot of the effects and a lot of the more eerie aspects really worked for me. And obviously, I like the trucks that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- okay, hold on. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay. Um, I thought that the movie started off on a really good note. I was excited for it. Um, you pointed out some things like at the beginning of the movie that were like really good mechanics of a screenplay. Um, oh, yeah. Like um, you see this giant, beautiful house that they live in. 
and then they have a bumper sticker that says like hug an md today and i'm like oh he's a doctor that's how he can afford this house and it's like they established all that stuff without any dialogue and i was mm-hmm. like cool yeah like they i felt that's a good use of time like just yeah just establishing shots and also giving its background information at the same time whatever what have you um but I felt like as the movie went on, it just kind of meandered around. And I really was at a loss for why we needed to know about the mom's sister. And it wasn't until like the last two minutes or not the last two minutes, but in one of, of the last scenes <laughs> um, that we saw that the reason why we knew any of this was because apparently the sister was going to haunt her and also come back as her child to kill her. Yeah, that made no sense at all. So that to me is like, oh, I, yeah. have to give care. I, have to, I don't want to care about side plots here. Yeah, this story was very much Stephen King throwing a bunch of supernatural plot points into a blender and just kind of like crossing his fingers. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if the book was like that. I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, if you can find out why the dad hated him so much, like I want to know that. Yeah, his father-in-law. I don't know. Yeah, it was a whole thing. I think we can end that discussion there. Pet Cemetery was interesting. It was an interesting curio, but it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not the was best it? Stephen King. Was it? Do you King. know if it was like her first um, directorial debut? That's a good question. Um, I'm gonna look it up. I'm willing to overlook it if it was, like the f- like the flaws, because there were some good things in this movie. I just felt that they were squandered. Yeah, no, I I don't think it suffered from a bad director. Like it suffered from a silly script, um, and I don't know. I guess the pacing was a little stuffy, but that's partially the story being told also. Apparently she directed music videos like the Go Go's and Madonna. Um, hey hey you you I don't like your girlfriend no way no way but you need to move on. Yeah she she directed one movie before this but it looks super low budget and like forgotten. It's okay. called Siesta, and it stars Ellen Barkin who we just watched in Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah. So I'll give her some stuff <gasps> for this. She the directed flaws of this movie were not on her. Yeah. Um. She directed an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Ooh. Oh, and she directed an episode of Red Shoe Diaries as Alan Smithy. Who the hell's Red Shoe Diaries? Um, it's a like an erotic softcore show with David Duchovny where he like reads letters about sex that people have. And um, Alan Smithy is the the pen name, well, the pseudonym. David Duchovny wasn't he Californication? Uh, yeah, but he was also Mulder on the X Files. He was Californication. That's what people know him as. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, yeah, so go Mary Lambert. Good for you. Um, she also directed the sequel, which I kind of want to watch. But and we might for July if I'm feeling generous. Maybe. As I do with my review scores. You do sometimes, not today. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you what we're watching next week in one second. As always, as part of our donation drive, um, if you donate to any $5 or more to any of the following charities, you can pick a horror movie that we review on the show. And our charities this month are the ACLU, NOW, which is the National Organization for Women, and Planned Parenthood. Sergio is staring at me like he's Alex in a clockwork clockwork orange. Trying to distract you for what else I'm doing. Are you stealing my socks? Yes, I'm robbing you blind. Oh, uh-oh. Um, oh, socks. And if you want to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. Email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. Just, you know, just make Sergio feel better after the one-two punch of Medea Halloween and Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and next week, 
we are going to be watching Anna Lily Amirpour's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. I'm actually really excited about that. I've been wanting to watch that for like years now. Yeah, um, I'm excited too. It's it's one of those kind of classier horror movies that I missed in the past couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited just to see the movie. I'm not super excited about vampires. Yeah, I was going to say, vampires have failed me before. Yeah, I'm kind of like over them at this point. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Thanks so much for uh, sticking around. Uh, we'll catch you next week with A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Woohoo. And we may or may not have a donation drive episode in between then. Depends on... Hopefully. Yeah, it depends on if we get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, good luck on your journey, everybody. And stay gold. Oh, I wasn't recording. I, I tried to turn it on right as you were rapping or whatever you were doing. Singing beautiful music. Uh-huh. Making sweet, sweet music for the people of the world. Yeah, that's what we do here at Scream 101. We make dreams come true. Apparently. Here in La La Land adjacent. I hope so. Okay, you ready? I'm totally ready. You're on Twitter. I am totally ready. I can't, I can't. <laughs> okay, let's do this. <laughs> this mm. episode was brought to you by Cub Holder Radio. You can find more episodes of this show and others at cupholderradio.com or wherever podcasts are sold. Get out! The podcast is coming from inside the house. Hello there. I'm Uncle Ponyboy. Do you like suspense? Don't go in there! Buckets of blood and human excrement? Pour upon me! Gratuitous nudity with more boobies than you can handle? Let me see them. And radical hairstyles? Oh, yeah! then you should check out the Gore Gab Podcast, hosted by yours truly and DJ Gill. Hello! You can find us on the iTunes Podcast Store and on Twitter at Gore Gab Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead and go check out cupholderradio.com. It's podcast for the weird at heart.